I'm Alex Shaw. I'm Sharon Shaw. And, and welcome, welcome to, to School of Movies. <laughs> Alien versus Predator and Aliens versus Predator Requiem. Seven days ago, one of my satellites over Antarctica discovered a pyramid. Where exactly on the ice is this? It's not on the ice. It's 2,000 feet under it. make history oh my god whoever built this pyramid believed in ritual sacrifice did you hear that Did you say this room was called? Sacrificial chamber. This door is all here. This whole thing was a trap. They're not hunting us. We're in the middle of a war. They're using us as bait. This is the sixth of seven reviews of the Alien movies. It's also the fourth of five Predator movie reviews, as we covered Predator, Predator 2, and Predators in Digital Gonzo episodes 47 and 49. So far, we've looked at some that could be considered works of a director, and a fair few with a hefty amount of studio meddling to muddy the creative waters. Now we're into the spin-offs a pair of pictures that combine the two flagging licenses in an effort to milk these two withered cash cows until nothing comes out but green glowing acid blood. Subscribing to the notion that crappy movies are always a lot more fun to review, I, like Charles Bishop Wayland, have assembled a crack team numbering seven tonight. For the first time in the Alien series, Neil Taylor of Gameburst and KDS 2.0 is the one that got away, the one you don't fuck with. How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? You secure that shit, Hudson. Returning to the series, Leah Haydu of Gamerdork, who freely admits that she likes griping. Did I admit that? I mean, I, I kind of do, but... Matt Ramsey of Dork Tunes. Ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> Good evening. I'd like to keep Joshua Garrity of Kane and Rinse handy for Close Encounters. So much stupid. So much. <laughs> Sharon Shaw of Gonzo Planet mostly comes at night. Most. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I can't back that up with paperwork. I'm going to write my own intros from now on, if that's all right. (laughs) And James Perkins of GeekWad is El Cazador Trofies de los Hombres. Good evening. Because most of the music in this film is bland and uninspiring, I am scoring this podcast with the soundtrack to the Super Nintendo version of Alien 3. 
Alien vs. Predator, hereafter known as AVP, was originally a project spawned by Dark Horse Comics. From 1987 onwards, they were producing first Aliens and then Predator comics, and then just prior to Predator 2's release in 1990, the idea was mooted to combine the two Fox franchises in a single comic throwdown, hence the Xenomorph Skull in that film Predator 2. The first comic miniseries centred around a colony being wiped out by xenomorphs that were intentionally placed there by predators for the purposes of hunting. It was adapted into a novel named Prey. Other comic crossovers include Alien vs. Predator vs. Terminator. Don't read it. making that shit up. That actually follows on from Alien Resurrection. Yes, I know. Don't read it. that, That can't actually happen. Those timelines contradict each other. Okay. Oh, it doesn't even make any sense in the comic either. Okay. Alien vs. Predator vs. Witchblade vs. Darkness, and Alien vs. Predator vs. Superman and Batman. Oh, by the way, did everyone see Batman Dead End? Yes. yes. Yeah. It's good fun, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I recommend everyone uh, check out, on if you've got eight minutes spare, check out a fan-made film, which is made for 30 grand, called Batman Dead End on uh, YouTube. It features... I think I'm just probably going to link it uh, in the... Um, the show notes actually on the website because it's it features Batman taking on the Joker and then an alien turns up and then a predator turns up. It's great fun. And they seem to get um, the Joker a bit more than Tim Burton did. That's not hard. Yeah. Don't hire Jack Nicholson. There was also a toy line that extended the Aliens one that I mentioned in the Alien 3 show. Also a number of related video games, including the rather spiffy Capcom Brawler, an Atari Jaguar FPS, a far superior 1999 PC version made by Rebellion, and its sequel made by Sierra, and the 2010 Xbox 360 and PS3 follow-up, again made by Rebellion. Now, these games were notable for introducing an alien-predator hybrid named the Praetorian in the games, and a Predalien elsewhere. The notion that a lone alien left to its own devices will cocoon itself and emerge as a queen was actually explored in this third uh, Xbox game. At the very end, when you finish the alien quest, you you basically become a queen. It's a great idea. And it's one which we've mooted repeatedly on this show. And the character of Carl Whelan, played by Lance Henriksen, adds a bookend to the Whelan dynasty he started 176 years earlier in continuity in this very movie. Somewhere in the early 1990s, before he'd even had his directorial debut with the blistering Ram Raidathon Shopping, starring a young and blue-eyed Jude Law and son of Wurzel Gummidge Sean Pertwee, Paul W.S. Anderson had an idea for an Alien vs. Predator movie that he would one day love to direct. He envisioned a pyramid swarming with xenomorphs and an expansion of the universe that rivaled Jim Cameron's Aliens. On the one hand, he was punching far above his average director's weight. On the other, at least the man had a vision, which is more than could be said for the brothers Strauss. Ah! <laughs> Sorry, involuntary There's, action. There is to be no screaming until I say go. <laughs> oh, that's no fun. <laughs> so after much... <laughs> Slightly delayed. No, no, that's fine. So after much discussion at Hollywood and after Alien Resurrection underperformed at the box office, this project finally got off the ground with Anderson along for the ride and a PG-13 rating. Rather than talk about the confluence of events in the film, most of which have been seen before with better directing and far better delivery by superior actors, I'm instead going to focus on a few of my favourite moments throughout this review and let everyone have their say on where the movie sits with them. However, I will mercifully and briefly explain the plot. 
Mr. Whalen sets up a team of bland, dislikable humans led by a cold, militaristic type to travel to the most inhospitable place imaginable and find a key to mankind's civilization origins, which, as we all know, are linked to aliens. Turns out it was a trap, and the entire team comes a cropper as all alien hell breaks loose, leaving behind one plucky professional female. Sound familiar? To be more specific, the place they go to is a pyramid in the Arctic that predates Mayan, Aztec and Olmec architecture and was constructed with the help of the predator species by our ancient ancestors back before the ice had reached that area. It was ostensibly a hunting ground where the ritual manhood ceremony of a team of three predators would hunt the xenomorphs who would hatch from the bodies of willing sacrifices. Something went very wrong and they destroyed the whole area, wiping that civilization from the map to then be consumed by the ice. So, present day, a team of dull, barely written scientists turn up and immediately play into the narrative conventions of going into dark places they shouldn't in twos backwards and getting picked off by facehuggers, then xenomorphs, and soon three new predators looking to prove something. This all comes to a head when the outdoorsy-type girl finds herself the only one left and teams up with the remaining predator to deal with the alien threat. That's it. That is as much as I'm going to talk about the plot, such as it is. That is the plot. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> By the way, which version did people watch? Because there's two. Extended. I watched extended, but I didn't... Okay, uh, it, even though it was extended, I didn't feel any difference. The so, only difference with the extended version, I believe, is the beginning. Leah, stop chuckling at extended. What's... <laughs> Settle down, Beavis. What's... <laughs> Uh, what, what is the difference? E- okay, you're going to have to tell me, Neil. When it's extended, what should the difference be? No, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> the extended it, version basically has the opening in, is it 1904? Oh, yeah. With the Wailing Village uh, being wiped out. Well, we... Oh, was that not already the theatrical version? I don't think that's the actual... No, I don't think that is in the I, I can vaguely remember seeing it at the uh, cinema, but I, I'm probably wrong. Either way, that actually is going to be my next question. What happened 100 years ago? Because it's not made entirely clear. Uh, aliens, predators had a Barney, took out whalers. <laughs> really? Bad, bad shit went down. <laughs> so do you think that that was um, that pretty much the same thing has happened now in 2004 happened again? So, like, they just they drilled through the predator... <sighs> It I doesn't mean, make sense because they needed so much technology to get down there. They needed so much technology to get down there, which implies that the Predators drilled the hole for them and then just sort of sat back and waited for them to wander down the hole and then get caught by the aliens. So basically, the whole film, this one, feels like like a se- like like it all depends on the humans going down there in the first place. And if they didn't, then the Predators have got nothing to hunt because otherwise all they got is facehuggers. Unless the predator, you know, I, I'll take a stab at, you know, Anderson decides, you know all that honour stuff that we had with the predators, mm-hmm. even though they are sore losers? Uh, near forget that, because, you know, the predators later on are psychos, so mm. why not? Maybe well, they just took some humans down there and just went, eh, have a facehugger. <laughs> have a facehugger. <laughs> and according to this movie, wait five minutes. Three minutes, I timed it. Oh, God. Jesus, just Three minutes? That's how long the attention span of the average kid they were expecting was going to be watching this film was. Um, It it, it was three minutes because it had to be, because there was just too much shit to get done afterwards. Um, So anyway, yeah. uh, I I don't know exactly what happened 100 years ago. It could have been an actual hunting ritual. It could have been that the predators came to check on their site and noticed that there was a whaling station there, and there shouldn't have been. And they sort of went down there to, to 
get rid of all the people and then aliens happen. That I don't get. Because there's an alien there too, up on the surface. That's why I think the extended cut is the one that has that part in because um, I, I got... It, it raises more sense. questions than it answers. <laughs> uh, uh, what was what surprise? An Anderson film has a plot hole. No. Um, actually, on that note, what actually happened thousands of years ago? Thousands of years ago, before the dawn of man as we knew him, there was Sir Santa of Claws, an ape-like creature making crude and pointless toys out of dino bone and his own waste, hurling them at chimp-like creatures with crinkled hands, regardless of how they behaved the previous year. These so-called toys were buried as witches and defecated upon and hurled at predators who were awoken by the searing grunts of the children. It wasn't a holly jolly Christmas that year, for many were killed. Well, that still doesn't tell me why... I'm not finished. You should have gotten a snack. A warlike race of elves from the Red Planet landed on the ice-encased Earth, and they were immediately enslaved by the unevolved Santa ape to make his confused toys using galactic elfin technology for Evermore Sanchianatos. Toys were made into recognizable shapes and given names like Train. But these toys were also thrown at predators and defecated upon because they were so stupid. Thousands of years ago, the ice had made the globe innavigable. Santa Ape did not know what a North Pole was. How could he? He was born before science existed. So he arbitrarily placed his workshop right here, long before they unionized. And Christmas was celebrated at each full moon in front of the great red ape. Wait, 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 wait. Who, who unionized? Wouldn't you like to know? Probably your mama. Dang, she makes me sad that they had to open their toys in front of an ape and they were all made out of doo-doo. What kind of Christmas is that? It's okay, Meatwad. This is all a bunch of bull. But the elves came from the red planet, and there was much defecation. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. How long ago did you say this was? Thousands of years ago. No, shut up. Do you remember those thousands of aliens swarming up the pyramid? How did that happen? Did a facehugger get out? Maybe. Did a facehugger get out? Some facehuggers get out? I don't know. Some? How many some, Neil? A it's couple of thousand. <laughs> a couple of thousand. How did a couple of thousand face yeah, Again, I think that was just used to illustrate the point of this is what happens when it goes wrong. We're not going to tell you how it goes wrong. It just went <laughs> wrong. I, I think a predator was just playing like a hoax or something. It just thought, oh, it'd be hilarious if it just released all these face huggers <laughs> and it went really wrong. Hits up. Yeah. Well, that's a story for another movie. But uh, yeah, uh, Sharon mentioned that the the the. the the concentration of people required for that simply didn't exist back then. But then again, this is a fictional civilization anyway, so let's say it did. <laughs> okay, stop arguing, because it's devastating to the plot of this if you do. <laughs> There's so, a plot? Apparently.
I have a bullet point here for the humans. Anyone want to go on this? They're boring and forgettable. I wanted them all to what? die. Okay, hang on. <laughs> Leah first. They don't have any real person. Like, you know, the, the first couple of films, at least the characters that you have running around are people that you maybe give a shit about, or at the least you can tell them from one another. I couldn't give you all of the names of the people in this movie if I tried. Like, I just They all kind of blend together. They all got separated up in the pyramid and killed slowly and or quickly. There was that one chick with the David Bowie haircut that I don't know why she was there or why she had guns. I just, I don't, I have no clue. I have no investment in these people whatsoever. Well, uh, the only reason that Alexa Wood's there is because she's the she's the Ripley stand-in wannabe yeah. for this film. So she's there because they needed a Ripley type. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Josh? Well, they're all delightful stereotypes, aren't they? I mean, you have the Italian guy who's Italian. Uh, you have the Scottish guy who's uh, Scottish. Who was spoiled from track spotting. Hugh and yeah. keep showing up in films and making them less good. He turned up in Welcome to the Jungle and it was less good because he was there. Well, that, that, I really kind of summed up my feelings on the characters with that li- delightful little description. Um, they're just, you know, they're not actually characters. They're just caricatures. They're there uh, to you know, spawn the aliens so that you can you can yeah. see the characters you care about. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Fucked up right there. Yeah, that's the thing. In this movie, the aliens and the predators are the guys you're rooting for. The Shannon. humans are just there to have an excuse for those creatures to exist. Sharon, you specifically said the person you feel most sorry for is the queen because she's all tied up and forced to lay eggs. In that initial stage, yeah, it's the, the setup that they've got her in just evoked instant sympathy. Mm, like a battery hen. Yeah. This is jumping forward a little bit, but since we're talking about the queen, um, relating back to uh, resurrection, why, if the, the predators have been breeding these aliens for so long, did they not realize that the restraints they have the queen in can be birthed <laughs> by her own blood? By acid, why? which command the hive. Why? Because they're my about, God, why? They're about as bright as Brad Dourif, clearly. <laughs> clearly, I mean, the predators actually have acid-neutralizing gear. So you'd think they'd construct the queen's restraints with them. Did they? All their gear melted. Oh, I don't remember. The the net melted? The stupid long wishblades melted? I may have heard those stupid blades. I may have heard that the Predator's blood is very high alkaline, which neutralises the alien acid to some degree. I didn't see any alien Predators get burnt. Oh, no, actually... No, you're right. They burned themselves! (laughs) They burned everything about them. Yeah. Okay, I suppose that's to make sure that the alien's blood is still scary. And boy, were they... They were mask happy in this movie as well, weren't they? Any excuse to take the mask off? Hang on, were they? There's one guy, Scar takes it off and then marks himself on the head. That's not any excuse, that's the core reason why he's there. He's killed an alien and he's like, yes! Yes, in the middle of an alien infested pyramid. Yeah, probably could have worked on that one. I'm going to take the mask off. I'm sure there's no convenient face hugger around. The narrative required him to do it. The air is full of oxygen, but I'm going to take my helmet off. I was just about to say, as far as Charlie Holloway. (laughs) Can I also say that Colin, is it Salmon's only reason to be in this movie is to to, uh, die kind of like he died in Resident Evil? Yes. That's his only reason for being. That's what I was thinking re-watching it yesterday. I was just like, 
Hmm, this seems strangely familiar. There is one bit, actually, in the deleted scenes. Did anyone watch them? No. Uh, where he asks Wayland, uh, and he does it in a weird kind of like... Remember this guy actually put himself in the running to play Bond? Uh, he says it almost in a Daniel Craig way, even though this was uh, two years before Daniel Craig actually played Bond. Um, he says, I need to know what this man died for. Wayland says something like, you know, he died for glory. And then he says, whose? Yours? And it's, it's like this kind of like, maybe at this point there's a bit of conflict between them. And that was like the best characterization in the entire movie, and they cut it out. So, yeah, I mean, it's still not fantastic characterization, but it's, uh, it made his character a bit more than just the company guy. I take, I take back what I said about none of them being uh, distinguishable from each other in the least. I <laughs> did remember him because his voice sounds a lot like Patrick Stewart's. Yes. Like, yes. Strikingly so. Didn't it strike you quite like Jurassic Park when the Italian bloke, I don't know his name, uh, wandered up from his dig site where he just found a thing, and he was like, oh, God, they're going to cancel the dig. And he's like, well, Mr. Hammond can help you with this. And then they immediately jumped to the helicopter, and she's going off to the alien park. <laughs> he did a bit now, you pointed that out. Uh, and then when the, uh, the queen turns up at the end, she's basically a T-Rex with a hat on. <laughs> <laughs> So any, any, any more on the humans? I think we've given them three minutes they deserve. Can we be thankful that it's not Mila Jolovich in the lead role for this movie, which is a rarity when it's an Anderson movie? Or weren't they married at this point? Actually, you know what? I'd, enough respect to the actress who played her, who was all right, but I actually would quite have liked to have seen Mila Jolovich play. She can't yeah. act! I, did, I didn't say act, I just said play. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Technicality, but good point. She could have kicked an alien in slow motion. <laughs> Although that that was kind of cool, the face huggers in bullet time. Yeah, uh, just slow motion. Let's let's not call it bullet time if it's not. That she was... got she got married to Paul W S Anderson in two thousand nine. Yeah, that was after uh, Resident Evils one, two, and three. Yeah, yeah. She's got too used to celebrate. having her around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Much like, um, who's that, that talentless guy who did uh, the Underworld films? Len Wiseman. Yeah, Len Wiseman uh, married um, Kate Beckinsale because, you know, she just fell for all of his, 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 his incredible charisma and, uh, and raw power and talent. Are they still together? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, actually, speaking of characters that we do care about, the Predators, let's talk about them. Um, you mean the Psychos? What? Okay, well, are they Psychos? They didn't seem that psychotic. They were more consistent than the Predator in uh, AVPR. The Wolf uh, Predator in uh, AVPR. We'll keep him separate because it's a completely different film. Yeah. These films um, are not actually linked. It's important to note. Um, these guys seem like Predator Elite. Like, um, I'm assuming if a predator's first prey is a human, like they were in the Predator 1 and Predator 2, mm-hmm. he's kind of fairly low down on the chain of predators. Actually, no, other way around. Uh, they have to earn those guns. Th- those guys who were uh, in Predators 1 and 2 had already done this xenomorph hunt. They actually consider uh, man to be more dangerous, especially when they're, they're, they've been given guns and things. Um, so, so, 
and yeah, obviously those guys were hunting on their own as well, which is completely different. Basically, those were three teenage predators um, who were... Oh. The, the whole scarring himself, that, that guy there, was him saying, I am a man now. So, which, so that guy was like 18 years old. So when the queen turns up, at the end he's like, Motherfucker! Because he's not prepared to handle that. That wasn't part of the deal. Oh, God, yeah, cause, okay. Because in the... the uh, it's pretty much expanded upon in the book, in Prey. And they're not actually... I don't think they're allowed to mark themselves in the book. They have... There's sort of... There's the teenage ones, and there'll be a leader. Mm-hmm. And he... Yeah. And when they successfully complete the, the Xenomorph hunt, yeah. the leader is the, the one that marks it, them. Yeah. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So that, when that guy, that, that uh, predator does it earlier in the film, not only is it completely narratively stupid, as in he shouldn't be doing that, shouldn't be taking his helmet off, but it actually doesn't even make sense in their culture. Yeah, well, it, it does, because on screen, that's the only representation we've got so that's far. That's a fair so. point, yeah. Okay. But uh, it, st- it still strikes me as a stupid time to do it. Yeah. But at that point, what, hadn't the other two been taken out? One of them gets taken out in a second. Chopper is the one with the really long blades, as you would imagine. He, I think he just kills a human. He's the one that kills um, Paul Collins' salmon with a net and then gets punked by one alien uh, who stabs him with his tail. That one alien is the smartest of all the aliens. It is named the Grid Alien because of the, um, the net markings on its head later on after it fights Celtic Predator. Celtic Predator is the one that has the big Barney with Grid Alien. Now, this is one of the core bits of the film for me that is so stupid, but also hugely enjoyable for me. I love this fight. It's utterly gormless. It makes no sense. But it's basically... It's... The Predator, as you've always wanted to see him, in a full-out ruck with, I mean, lots of kind of wrestling-type leaping-through-the-air moves. Yeah, um, this is... One alien. Yeah, this is sort of a carrier because if you've seen... I'm going to mention another versus movie now. I'll probably get booed. Freddy versus Jason. That's how the <laughs> end of that movie goes. They seem to, to go into this over-the-top superhero smash-you-through-wall stuff. And yeah. they do it in this fight, and it's... But if they'd have done that in the other movie, the, the alien would probably have snapped and sprayed blood, and the predator probably wouldn't be able to swing it through a, 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 a thousand-year-old stone pillar. Three thousand-year-old <laughs> obsidian pillar, yeah. Well, they don't make them like they used to, then. It would appear not. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 a great way. They show all the the the, the way they fight, and it's I mean, it's it's total teen fantasy type stuff. And not even particularly well-developed team fantasy, but uh, but like I said, it's you know after all of the humans have gone on and on and droned on and on, it's great to finally see. It's like right, okay, gloves are off, let's have a fight. And yeah, great, stupid, but I love it that bit. You know what? Actually, that's a good point. It's it's kind of written like really bad fan fiction. Mm. In fact, oh. I, I maintain that um, uh, AVPR is actually pretty much just an extremely expensive fan film and they aren't even that particularly good fans of either series okay so there's there's a fight almost immediately there's a fight actually it takes a while again like jurassic park they hold back on the creatures they hold back to you halfway through and then they show you them okay quick question because obviously before we get to that point the, mm. the predators take the the guys out who are left behind at the wedding station out because they have guns do they why do they have guns um, in, oh, uh, I actually, Sharon asked this. I think it's because they're expecting a, t- a strike team from the Utani company to come bursting in to try and take the pyramid themselves, and it's to keep them at bay. 
I know Wayland mentions the fact that, you know, others will come, but it, it, it's sort of like, this is the Arctic. You have guns? It just it was one of those, oh, they've just got guns, so it's okay for the predators to kill them, really. Maybe a polar bear? I don't know. The dude at the, uh, who gets thrown down the shaft doesn't have a gun and gets run through with a spear in what I consider to be somewhat un- of an unfair scenario by an invisible predator. They are a lot less honourable. But then again, they are also teenagers. They haven't got the maturity of, uh, of age that, um, say, the first Predator had. Mm, yeah, I guess, I, guess, I guess that. It's just it's just with the previous two films, apart from the fact they're bad losers, they sort of have been shown to be honourable. Mm, mostly. 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 But ultimately, the other thing is that if you've played the AVP games, if you're a Predator, you can't really just leave guys wandering around with guns, because the second they see you, they just open fire on your back. And they can be shot, and they can be killed. So... And also, yeah, that guy actually opens fire on the Celtic Predator, shoots him through the shoulder, and it's like, Motherfucker! Shoot me! Oh, hell no! <laughs> oh, hell no, you didn't just shoot me! Well, for some possibly reason, the most racist conversation I've ever been party to. And it's accidental! It's... <laughs> just, <laughs> what, have you never watched Transformers? Racist against Predators. No, 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 no. it's not no, your no, fault. No, 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 I know what it is. It just feels like that kind of movie. Uh, although the Predators don't talk, they're... they're, they're their expressions uh, belie that particular sentiment of, oh, hell no. I don't know. I'm not saying that sentence again now. I'm worried I'm Yeah, please, please don't say that again. Yeah, you're right. I can't handle it. Look, we've been raised on a diet of Michael Bay. Forgive us. That's what I'm saying. It's not your fault that you're British. It's just the way it is. (laughs) You racist. Okay. So, Adrian, ironically, the xenomorphs. Let's talk about the aliens. They actually modelled these guys much more on the first alien from the Ridley Scott classic and not on the ridge-headed ones favoured by Matt Harrier uh, or, uh, of course, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection where they went all brown and they didn't look right, um, mainly because of the, sort of the basic CGI and rod puppetry of the time. Um, those two, Alien 3 and uh, Resurrection and this and AVPR are the main alien, the hero alien, if you will, the one who you can see most of all, is an actor named Tom Woodruff Jr., uh, who has kind of you know, made his career being this alien. And uh, he's, he's extremely good at it now. And they, they actually swap him out ever so occasionally for when, when he got tired and when they did a shot that, they, that would actually be dangerous to a human, uh, they had a hydraulic puppet uh, full-sized, as opposed to the half-sized one which they put on using blue screen in Alien 3, and that actually had a smaller waist than him, so it made it look a little less like a guy in a suit for some crucial shots. And then every so often, uh, they had a shot that they physically couldn't do with a guy and they couldn't do with a puppet, so they briefly did a few frames of CGI. But I've actually watched the, uh, the documentaries on it, and they did painstaking lighting checks. They actually put like a, an alien head, an alien body in the actual scene and checked where the lighting would be on it, just for reference points for all the animators. So they actually they tried their absolute best to only use CGI if they possibly could. The, um, oh, the John Bruno is the name of the uh, uh, VFX team, and it, as Paul Anderson said... Um, 
Again, he's still just an average director, but this was a neat thing to say. Uh, ideally, to John, he would like to capture a real predator and a real alien in the wild and film it as a documentary. But failing that, we'll have a guy in a suit. I was going to say, um, the aliens in this film, I, I actually do really like the look of them. Um, mm. um, because I've said on this podcast before, I'm a big fan of the first alien and that alien's design. Mm. And these aliens definitely hark back to that. Um, and they look better than, yeah, and they look better than the resurrection ones, which were red-ish, brownish, and that's especially underwater. That was really brown. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I like I like that they're black, jet black, the way they should be. Mm. Um, and yeah, they they look cool. They're well designed. I, you know, say what you will about this, the director Paul W S Anderson. I think he does. He does a good job with visuals. I think he knows how to shoot a scene. He's just not very good with actors or dialogue. Or anything, he would be ideally suited to do music videos for the rest of his life. Yeah. yeah. And, with aliens. And, 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 yeah, yeah. And this film does look good, but, yeah, but there's nothing much more to it, to be honest. There is one actor who is actually noteworthy. Bishop. Lance Henriksen. Yeah. Yeah, I actually really like uh, his character in this, and he, he's very serious. I think he's, he, someone said he'd done 90 films at this point, so he's, he's a man of his craft. And although his character doesn't really have much meat on his bones, he kind of makes him a little bit sad and a little bit kind of, you know, I have possibly just minutes to live. I am going to go out in glory. And just unfortunately picks a fight with the wrong predator. And either way, he's, uh, he's more likable than his grandson... I think I've theorised that uh, the the character of Wayland in uh, who features uh, occasionally in Prometheus is right. okay. more likable than Wayland in Prometheus. That's all I'll say. Did you also notice he did the uh, the thing with the pen? Yes, I did the the, the knife trick with the, with the yeah. pen. That was that neat. was a nice touch. I did actually quite like that. You know, there, there were occasional nice touches with him. The, the thing where he uh, talks to um, Alexa about. Uh, her father, you know, dying up on the mountain and him, you know, him considering that dying, doing something that was actually in the spirit of adventure was actually worth it. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, right. So I suppose he's kind of got, got a bit of John Hammond in there. So yeah, Lance Henriksen was in there and when he dies, the film becomes less good. This was the first film to do with aliens and predators that I actually saw because obviously... It's a PG-13. <laughs> it was a PG-13. It came out in 2004 when I was coming up to 14. You know, I'd, ah! I'd, I'd just hit my teens. Um, so I, I, I watched it and I thought... I, I quite enjoyed it, but I was like, well, people have told me that the original Alien and Predator films are had a lot better, apart from Resurrection, obviously. Um, but... That's what kind of spurred me on to go and check out the originals. But what I was going to say is, Josh, because you're basically the same age as me, a little bit older, I think, by a year or so. um, What was the first... Was this the first one that you saw and made you want to go back and watch the other ones? Or Uh, did you watch everything in complete order? uh, No, actually, I watched um, everything in complete order because uh, my dad is very lenient when it comes to uh, age ratings of films. (laughs) I've got to so, say, God bless your dad. Did you say he listened to the Alien Three podcast? Yeah, 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 and liked it. Yeah, no, he's he's a nerd. So it's God, yeah, hello, Josh's dad. Thumbs up. 
Well done. You've, you've raised your son very, very well. He has a deep appreciation of film. Anyway, um, I'm getting embarrassed now. Um, <laughs> Make him blush. <laughs> and is incredibly insightful and talented. Right, so, set design and costumes. Before, before you go on to that, I actually did come up with something else. Yeah, um, right. and just, I, you might want to put this somewhere else, I don't know. But, um, That's what she said. Which is indeed what she said, yes. <laughs> 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 but no, I just, brief comment on the rating. Um, I looked at the uh, Blu-ray case while I was, you know, starting to watch the film, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that it is rated PG-13 for is slime. <laughs> That's actually a reason. Dude, <laughs> involves some slime, which may be frightening for children below the age of 13. Seriously, so that, that is... Oh, God, not the slime! Not look, the slime! Well, let me tell you, when you're 13 years old, you're well acquainted with slime. Ooh. Um, <laughs> that is the response ever. It was beautiful. Yep. Anyway. Anyway, I just wanted to comment on you know, the fact it that it's rated PG thirteen. Mild slime. It does. Actually, on that note of slime, did you notice how many people every time they see something slimy, not just in this film, in every alien film, they put their hand in it. They have to stick their hand in it. Yes, so that's that's disturbing. And it's never acid. They never put their hand in acid and go, Jesus Christ! It's always just like an alien skin that's been left behind. It's, and then they pick up a gun and it's covered in slime and they go, Ugh. It's like they've got to make the slime work on the camera and go, oh, look how incredibly slimy it is. Uh, no one ever- if you're going to put it in your rating, then it better be omnipresent. <laughs> this better be some great slime, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, no one ever sort of goes to touch slime and is like, don't touch that. It could be something really poisonous. Like, I don't know, black slime? Anyway. By the way, just on the subject of slime, does anybody else want to go and suddenly look at the rating of Ghostbusters 2 just to see if it mentions slime? <laughs> uh, uh, Maybe it's because the slime specifically was KY Jelly. Um, I believe it was called Personal Lubricant. Yes, yeah. they, they might say, like, if they, if they talk about that in the commentary or something, I don't know, that might make it unsuitable for anybody under the age of 30. Because all the other lubricants are so impersonal. <laughs> God, come on, we've got to finish this. It's such a crap film. Right, so, set designs and costumes. Uh, this, this, again, um, they actually do really well. Th- this over AVPR, at least they take you to an exotic location and you sort of susp- suspend belief that you're in a so- uh, sort of alien origin pyramid. And it's... It's an unusual, shadowy place, and they were trying to differentiate it from uh, the Indiana Jones and the Mummy films by having it be all black. And so, yeah, I, I think that bit at least works, and it, it, it gets a bit kind of monochromatic at times, which is good. But I really would have liked for most of the humans to, I mean, first off, for us to like the humans and actually not want them to die at all. Um, but second, for them to get split up into teams of one and then end up, you know, maybe five or six of them spread out throughout the pyramid trying to find their way around in the dark and trying to get out. But no talking, just all visual storytelling and them seeing what's going on. Occasionally, some of them falling the victim to the aliens, victim to the predators um, or just, you know, having terrible accidents. But if it had been all visual storytelling, that would have been so much better. But they talk at each other all the time. And it's such shitty dialogue that you, you actually find yourself, A, not caring about them more, and B, wanting them to die more, quicker, and in messier, horrible ways. Which aren't really provided by the PG-13 certificate, unfortunately. 
they try to make you feel because there's the two that are parents, aren't they? I I've got kids. I also have kids. kids oh, yeah. no, alien. What <laughs> yeah, they tried. <laughs> The only, well, actually, the only interesting one they did is the, the Italian guy when the moment they chose to pick him off was quite interesting. It's when he goes yeah. to rescue... What's her face? <laughs> Not Ripley. Alex. Alexa. They run away from some aliens and they jump across... Um, a chasm. A gap. A chasm. Well, yeah, that's it. And he's trying to pull her up and then he gets yanked away by an alien. But that leads to actually the best part of the movie because when she's on her own and she's running around the corridors and it's just complete silence and you don't know what's there, suddenly it actually becomes a little bit more tense and it's better shot and more focused. And then there's actually a really good shot where she's in the foreground and the camera just pans ever so slightly to the right and then way down the corridor behind her, the predator is just standing looking at her. That's the best shot in the film. And it then leads, gives way to the alliance between the two of them and the communication between the two of them, which has got to be almost entirely non-verbal, which, again, is so much better than any written word in that entire script. And then they sort of, you know, they, they collaborate, and she ends up with the spear that's made of the alien tail, and he sort of communicates the, um, that the acid won't burn on the, uh, the shield that she's using, although I don't think the shield actually came in handy, but it's, it's sort of, it's, it's a ceremonial warrior shield, warrior maiden moment, which I actually really like. It makes if you're going to have a team up with the humans and one of the other aliens, it it only makes sense that it happens with the predators. Mm. Um, I I don't know how much I like because the predators have been seen to be kind of just like treat humans as tools for their you know their sport. They basically they, the, the when they turn the uh, facility on, it started like flashing, giving off heat and they detected it. That was just to lure them in and uh, provide the aliens with uh, hosts. So they clearly don't actually give a shit about any of these humans, and this predator is more than capable of handling the enemies on his own. Well, not that she's going to be much more help to him, even if he can't handle it. So I I don't understand the motives behind him suddenly going... Yeah, all right. Let's be friends. I hate to say yeah, this in the comic book. It's a, it's and the book. It's slightly more clear because the the broken tusk from the comic and the book. Mm. He sees her as an equal because she actively kills aliens. So he sees her as almost like a, a sort of human predator, if you will. Mm. Whereas in this, she sort of kills that alien by accident. Yeah, she just holds up a spear and doesn't die. Yeah, it kind of throws itself on the spear. Yeah. Again, though, it's it's difficult to really see her, that actress, actually killing an alien by hand. Now, Mila Jovovich, with all her slow-mo jumping and running, could probably have done it. Hell yeah. Yeah. The only reason I want to see Mila Jovovich in here is so she got (laughs) face-hugged. I would hug her face. Anyway, actually, now that I mentioned it, I said before the Predators consider us to be a threat. Now they do, because when they first met us, we had spears. 
But more recently, we've developed, in, I mean, in just in the past hundred years, the amount of weaponry we, we've developed, the amount of gadgets and the amount of intelligence that has generated in our species has suddenly put us on the map with them. So, yeah, now we actually figure to them as, as dangerous as these xenomorphs. Well, they, as you said before, the soft meat, which they refer to us as, they, they, we're, we're very dangerous. Mm. We fight back and we're, we're unpredictable. I think mm. that's why they consider us dangerous. Cause yeah, because the aliens just behave on instinct. That may be why they're not supposed to go into the um, pyramid until the uh, human hosts have already been implanted, because they're yeah. potentially a threat up to that point. Obviously, once they've been chest-bursted, not so much. Uh, that's also part of the ceremony, so that the humans don't bugger up the alien ceremony. So, yeah, then there's the team-up, and then they take out the Queen, which is, again, visually quite interesting, and, and the Queen is, is, is a genuine threat again, and uh, it was just a sort of joyful moment to see her on screen and tear-assing around. And they actually went back to Cameron's original designs, and they managed to make her waist as small as Cameron originally intended, but couldn't because he had to have guys in there puppeteering her. Um, so, you know, the CG queen is, again, they've, they've minimised the amount of uh, CG trickery they had to do with her, but, uh, but she feels very solid, which I like. Just remind me, actually, the, the opening shot, I think, which is the theatrical cuts opening shot, pays homage to aliens, where you see the communication satellite. Mm, but yes, it, but, but it looks like a queen. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, I did like that. That was oh, a nice little nod. This, it's, but, it's basically, it's like a giant bowl of turd soup with marshmallows floating in it and you, you pick up the marshmallows you brush them off and they're not that bad but you've got to eat oh, the turd soup as well it, it's, tes- <laughs> it's Tesco soup is what it is it, it's Tesco. a sort of averagey bland ok yeah maybe that's bad. maybe turd soup is too bad the next film turd, film's turd next, soup the next film's turd soup yeah. but is that Alien Queen dead? because um, I'm, sh- I'm sure I read somewhere maybe one of the other comics or one of the other books that the one in space didn't die didn't that Queen it. That one, the queen from the start, we've seen her immersed in uh, something very cold. Liquid nitrogen or something, something like that. So is the frozen, is it the frozen water going to kill her? Is it, is it deep enough to, well, you know, No, because if, if space can't kill it, yeah. then the frozen, frozen water's going to be nothing. Basically, uh, does she need to breathe, is the question. Can yeah. she filter air, oxygen, or, or whatever she needs to, to survive out of the water itself? Because ultimately, oh, you can't filter anything out of space. Well, we know for a fact an alien can survive in, in space because in Aliens, the Queen does so. She goes through the atmosphere hmm. in the landing gear recess of a freaking... Good point. Yep. And she can survive almost burning, you know, burning up in the atmosphere and space. What is going to be a cinch? So what she's going to do is chew through the chain, swim up, and oh, bang, she's back again. She also, I just, real, just realised the first movie said, yes, it can survive in space, doesn't it? Because she shoots it out the, out the door on the whole And then it goes, oi, let me back in again, and knocks on the door. <laughs> yeah, so... What about you? Um, the answer to that is probably not, and the uh, Weyland Yutani company probably looked in the wrong place when looking for the xenomorph. They could just have gone back to the Arctic and just on on there with a submarine Cameron style Queen just sat down there whistling uh, going fucking <laughs> ages this is rubbish occasionally oh. pulling at the chain oh still not rusted meet my new brood the aqua face huggers <laughs> <laughs> and alien vs predator 3 was born <laughs> oh, don't, no, joke, don't, no. don't even joke about that no. don't, is this happen. some kind of weird crossover between aliens and the piranha movies <laughs> Josh if that happens I'm blaming you You've just no, no, made no. that a possibility. No, we've just given DC the perfect crossover. 
Alien versus... It's not Namor, that's Marvel, isn't Aquaman. it? Aquaman. Aquaman. Thank you. Aquaman versus Aliens. <laughs> Why not? Batman and Superman have had a go, so have the Green Lanterns. I'm still betting on Aquaman. He's got his own comic. He can talk to dolphins. He can talk to sharks. When they're face-hugged, he can't. We've got <laughs> on, on a weird... Blowhole-hugged. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that sounds <laughs> wrong. What would an alien... Get like dolphins in the Arctic! <laughs> Okay, what would an alien look like that came from a whale? Now, that would be interesting. I want to see a whale alien. Whalian. <laughs> Whalian. No, well, for a start, it would... In the have... sea, no one can hear you. <laughs> it would have to swim for about 20 metres before it even got to ribcage. Dude, somebody send us an artist red doing of Whalian. <laughs> Please. Seriously. Maybe it was Whalian Yutani that actually sent us back to... This film, it's called Alien vs. Predator, but it doesn't quite feel like either franchise. Mm. You know how they've got that sort of feeling? They try for it. They definitely go for the claustrophobic feeling with the pyramid changing. It doesn't have the machismo of the Predator franchise, which is really kind of all about muscles and guns and... uh, Or Danny Glover. or, Or, indeed, Danny Glover's version of muscles. You are one ugly motherfucker... Although she does say that to an alien. There's sort of little flashes and nods. She is definitely flashes and nods. This one's, although I'll say this, this one still at least tries to feel like an alien predator thing, unlike the next one. Mm, It's it's clear that the people who made this really, really love the alien movies and and do their best at sort of trying to imitate It's most specifically like the original. I suppose it's it's got the flavour of aliens, sort of. You couldn't bring yourself to say that, could you? Um, you know that, that you can't call things legally you can't call it strawberry flavour if it's got no strawberry in it you've got to call it strawberry flavoured so yeah. this is kind of aliens flavoured or, or yeah yeah actually straight up I understand what you're trying to say it's, it's not alien it doesn't quite feel like the previous alien franchise but it's mm. still got something of it there yeah it has it's alien nice. DNA yeah. <laughs> <laughs> t-shirts spinning up on Monday Oh, one more thing is that ultimately this wins over the next one because it's sort of about something. The the whole the, the communication between her and the uh, the, the predator. It's that the, there is something that passes between them, albeit on a shallow level. It's sort of about a connection between the species. The next one is not. Did it bother anybody else that when she gets the mark put on her cheek, it's like this little beauty mark that's kind of cute and not you know a mark that's made by fucking acid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm terribly burned with acid. Oh, actually, It should be all, all a scar that's stores. signifying something, and it's like, it, it's like he drew it on with eyeliner or some shit. It's stupid. Yeah. And also that's excruciatingly painful. And then, um, Yeah, well, so are tattoos. Suck it up. Then he's going to pierce her ear with a thumbtack, and uh, then they're going to watch Dirty Dancing. Can we have an honest rendition of that? Her and her predator sat on a sofa trying to watch that round their heads, wearing bath robes. <laughs> Anything else on this piece of work? Terrible. It's terrible. As in no redeeming features whatsoever. Not enough. It's just a really pants film. 
I can't even I can't even muster up the enthusiasm to hate it that much really. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it, We're not going to contradict you if you say it's utter, utter, utter shit. But it's not. That's the problem. It's it, If it were utter shit, like the next one is, then at least there would be something to keep you interested because you would have something to rail against. Now it's just kind of... Uh, yeah, yes, exactly. Thank you. There's it's just, a ton of things. Beige. 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 They've got so the beige. Beige aliens. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that's it for Alien vs. Predator, the uh, the Paul W. Sanderson effort. I, you know, I'm probably going to see this film a couple more times in my life, and uh, I'll probably sort of enjoy it. Best I can say, really. I prefer Mortal Kombat of the films that he's done, but it doesn't done in a fun way. The one thing it doesn't do, uh, which say um, Resurrection, which um, various people said Junay beats Anderson hands down, um, the, is that the the film sort of makes sense in a dumb kind of way, whereas Alien Resurrection had so many things of it that really didn't make sense and actually made me sort of angry at how nonsensically stupid the whole thing was. And it was boring, and all the characters were dislikable as well. And there were no good action sequences, whereas at least in this, you get that that fight between Celtic Predator and the alien, which is kind of kick-ass, for me at least, and uh, then the, the whole alien queen team up at the end, which is good fun. Okay, that's all from us on uh, AVP. We'll be back for AVPR on Sunday. I'd like to thank all my guests. Leah Haydu, Matt Ramsey, Sharon Shaw, Neil Taylor, James Perkins, Joshua Geraghty. (laughs) Thank you very much for coming on. So you've been listening to Digital Gonzo. I've been Alex Shaw. And this Christmas, there will be no peace on Earth. Versus Predator Requiem.
colonel's line. The army thinks about containment first. If I'm right, we're all dead. This is the last of seven reviews of the Alien movies and five Predator ones. Man, am I sick of these series. Again, if you want to know what we thought of those, do check them out because we are now at the bottom of the heap and it may be that there will never be a worse example from either franchise. Neil Taylor of Game Burst and KDS 2.0 is back, spitting acid and screaming. A lot. Screaming a lot. Leah Haydu of GamerDork has her smart gun handy. Always. Every every time. Matt Ramsey of Dork Tunes. Pulse Rifle is ready to rock. Absolutely. Joshua Garrity of Kane and Rince is already growling and extending his cannon. I have a copy of the DVD here, ready to burn. Sharon Shaw of Gonzo Planet has fired up her flamethrower of rage. <laughs> oh, yes. And James Perkins of Geekwad just yanked out his last grenade. Give me some of that blue goo to pour on the Blu-ray. Aliens vs. Predator. You bought the Blu-ray. Yeah, the Blu-ray double-pack collector's box set for a tenner. Oh, look. Okay, Mitch, I did the same thing. <laughs> could you please sell that on, on Amazon for me? It would make me feel better that you got a few quid back for it. <laughs> okay. Aliens vs. Predator Requiem is the direct result of fans of both franchises complaining about the PG-13 rating of the first film. The studio did their calculations and figured out that the amount of those complainers that they would retain if they made an R-rated sequel would be equal or greater than the amount of children they would lose by such an endeavour. They knocked a third off the original budget and set the brothers Strauss, a pair of effects guys who had never directed before, to work on directing duties. They would later on squat down and shit out a film named Skyline, which with its 16% freshness rating on Rotten Tomatoes is still 4% fresher than this rancid turd of a cap on the Alien franchise. Shane Salerno, writer of Shaft and Armageddon, got his crayon working and the script was ready in minutes. David Pearl, cinematographer behind Pathfinder and Captivity, two films that appear to be shot entirely in the dark, was also on board, along with a cast of talentless nobodies. There was literally no way this project could fail to yield a landmark outing in sci-fi cinema, up there with the film that first inspired the Brothers Strauss, apparently, Terminator 2. First off, I'm just going to talk about the essential fallacy of the R rating within the UK. Aliens vs. Predator Requiem in the UK is uh, 15. Aliens vs. Predator AVP is uh, 15. It makes no fucking difference to us. The same group of people could still go and see the same films in the UK. So we don't care that this is an R rated film. It's obvious which one's clearly a lot bloodier, and, you know, they certainly do make sure that it's an R-rated film. But effectively, the same crowd could get into the same movie. You wouldn't be able to get 12-year-old kids in to see the original AVP in this country, because the BBFC are not mental. Matt, I seem to remember you mentioning during the Predator 2 show that the space jockey skull was uh, on the Predator's skull rack. Um, there is a Space Jockey Skull in the Skull Collection in AVPR. I'm not sure how accurate that is now, considering Prometheus, but no spoilers. There's a lot of us. (laughs) 
And a lot of us have got a lot to say about this film. I don't even know where to start. I've done my thing already. I will just briefly give you a plot outline. I haven't written this down, so just off the top of my head. At the end of AVP, the predator who took his mask off like an idiot and got infected with a, by a face hugger, um, his corpse is on board the predator ship. It bursts open, and a hybrid alien predator called the Predalien gets out. It goes nuts, tears the ship apart. The ship flies... I mean, the ship appears to fly off of a mothership, which is around Saturn, and fly back to Earth for no reason, and then it crashes on Earth. Yeah, I couldn't work that bit out, because we get... And isn't that before the alien turns up? A little ship comes out, and I'm not sure which... Which ship it's, uh, it's clearly on the, the, the... Is that little ship meant to be the one from the first one that sort of dropped them off? I don't know. I, I know I, that if you're travelling from Saturn to Earth and it takes only a few hours, then you're going so fast that your ship would vaporise the second it hits the planet. It wouldn't still be intact. It couldn't still be intact. You're going so fast you may punch a hole in the planet. You may, in fact... I mean, basically, that would then act as a meteorite, which would maybe destroy America. Would it not? Well, that I'm would be an entirely that. different... Well, it's not like the creators of this uh, film, uh, if I don't know use that term... Are you... Um, <laughs> are you about to let them off, uh, Really pay attention to any kind of realism? Things like physics. I mean, that's the least of the problems with this film, but that's the first thing. Well, actually, no, you've got a point, because later on, yeah. the, the, the two hunters that sort of... I don't want to say witness, but hear the ship crash. I suppose it takes them, what, a few hours to walk there, and there's no fire? No um, trail of debris from it? I mean, it just looks like it fell out of maybe 30 feet out of the sky. Just went, bleh. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) And it's still mostly intact, and all the facehuggers get out and get the hunters. Anyway, um, moving on. Okay, right, so a dad and his kid, his little kid come across this uh, alien ship and get face-hugged. And the Brother Strauss go, oh yeah, we went there. We face-hugged the kid. Deal with it. And the audience did. And then the father and kid wake up and burst open. And this child, you know, child dies for our amusement. And uh, yeah, well done. Um, And various aliens get out. I'm a horror movie fan, right? Yeah. So I've been watching horror movies from the 80s and onwards. Mm -hmm. There's certain unwritten rules of horror movies. There are certain rules! You get like Jamie Kennedy and Scream. No, no, no. These are uh, sort of the weird, odd, unwritten rules. You know, everyone knows those ones, but there's certain... Certain out-of-bounds characters? Yes. yes. Usually, children. Babies. Uh, babies. And, and uh, disabled, usually. There's two exceptions that I know of, one being Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and uh, one of them being one of the Friday 13th, but kids are a no-no. And pregnant women, basically, if you start killing them, you're, you're liable to only attract a certain ghoulish teenage boy crowd. I think the essence yeah. of it is those groups of people are, in real life, ridiculously vulnerable anyway. To put them in a uh, very vulnerable situation in a horror movie is A, redundant, and B, unutterably mean-spirited. <laughs> Uh, having said that, a kid dies in Jaws, and it's an important plot point. Jaws the, isn't... Yeah, but Jaws is fantastic. But... <laughs> no, Jaws is fantastic. It's, it's brilliant, but it's mm. not a horror movie by any stretch. Yeah, no. I, I, you mm. don't You're not meant to be cheering every time the shark grabs something. Christ, no. No. That's the secret. Okay, yeah. But no, the, the whole point is that that child's death is actually one of the, the main um, 
things that sets off uh, all, all the problems in Amity and uh, uh, the, exactly. The so it's, it's narrative. It's the catalyst. Yes. Yeah, totally. Okay. This, this so, yeah. child's death, it happens, and then they move on. No one mentions it ever no again. They only killed the child so they could go, hey, dude, we totally killed a child. Yeah, it's done It's done for the shock value. Um, there's a bad trend with horror movies now, uh, where the shock value and certainly the mean-spiritedness of certain franchises, Hello, Saw. Uh, Hello, like, Human Centipede. <laughs> You want to talk about shock value, dude? Shock. All right. I I want to mention a movie. Yep. I don't want people to go and look this movie up. I really don't want you to watch this movie. Okay. It's called a Serbian film. Oh God. Yep. Yeah, no. I unfortunately know way too much about this already. I know far too much as well. If you want to see the peak of shock value, that is it. Do not watch this movie. Do not even look it up. Do not give the creators any form of credit. And their excuse was, it's a political statement. Which, I if you know. actually read up what happens in it, you're like, no, no, it's not. No. <laughs> no. That's not a political statement on anything. That's just a nasty teenage boy scribblings. As for the human centipede, I can't speak for two, but for one, I think it's more the idea that grosses people out. <laughs> I, I just... The it's, idea is enough, Neil. Some of us have very vivid imaginations. <laughs> I, 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 I was leaving it there. Trust me, I wasn't going to carry on. I, I actually found the human centipede a tad more entertaining <laughs> and inventive than this. That's because the... I can't remember his name, but the guy who's playing the crazy doctor is bloody entertaining being... So, I mean, we're not even off the first ten minutes. So this alien hybrid, don't forget the Predalian folks, um, uh, Predalian things goes out and then some more facehuggers get to some tramps and some tramps burst open and I believe aliens are in the sewers. It's so poorly lit that I'm not sure if they're aliens or shadows or maybe tramps or predators. I don't know, but there are some things in the sewers and people are dying. Talking about the sewers... Because um, there are no characters in this film at all. They're just mm. people that you want to die. The only mm. person I feel sorry for, really, is the homeless guy and his dog. Mm. Those are the genuine, the only people in this film that I feel sorry that they die. The rest of them couldn't give a crap. Yeah. Which you're supposed to. They are written. Yeah. So specifically, like, there's this sort of a... Um, like a... <sighs> I know... Oh, I- uh, a cheap teen drama type thing going on with yes. Ricky and his the girly lines. Stupid and... teen love story, still better yeah. than Twilight. Pants but, uh, chick. <laughs> well, Pants chick, yes. you know, I know I'm jumping ahead a bit, but when, when the titillation, shall we call it, dies, I cheered. I actually did raise a guffaw at that point. Yeah, that <laughs> actually did make me laugh. It was kind of funny. So, yeah. Josh? Yeah, it's so unceremoniously. It's just such a, <laughs> didn't see that coming. <laughs> Which, which, I actually I mean, think the trailers gave that away, I think. Like, oh, okay. All, all the actors are just there to There's cash actors. in the check. Mm. Well, there are Music actors, actor they're the human beings. The they oh. even try for a Ripley analogue with that military lady, who I think you're not supposed to hate. Especially, yeah. they specifically seem to have hired that guy who plays her husband because he looks like Michael Biehn. And that girl's like, Mommy, the monster is gone. Yeah, oh, I see what you did there. Mm.
say again, lighting. This is one of the worst lit films I've ever seen. Or not seen. Or not seen. <laughs> yeah. But my eyes really, really hurt after watching this film. And I'm not sure I can claim to have seen Alien vs. Predator Requiem. I don't think any of us... It never, it never happened. I couldn't see what was I, I turned up the, 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 the brightness and it was just a, a big mess of grey instead. So it didn't make any difference. You can say what you will. Say what you will about Resurrection and AVP. At least those films are shot well. Like, the mm. cinematography's decent, and the lighting's decent. But this film is incompetently filmed. Like, <laughs> it's like a B-movie. It's it's just incompetent. Like, there's nothing to... Re- Sorry, I'm ge- I, I'm about to go off on a rant about okay. this film. Actually, literally- no, I've got a place for you to rant. So, Josh, okay. I'm giving you your floor now. Go for it. There is nothing to recommend about this film whatsoever. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no little... No, it's not like Alien 3 where there's, like, little nuggets of goodness that you can, you can you know, take from it. Even Alien Resurrection is so dumb. It's so dumb that you can extract some level of joy of taking the piss out of how dumb it is. This film is just incompetently terrible like there's been no research done into like the scientific accuracy of anything that goes on like how the fuck does a helicopter fly away from a nuclear explosion how does that happen nuclear (laughs) 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 I am so sorry but it is How the hell does a helicopter fly away from a nuclear? We know what you mean. It's just, it baffles me, the science in this film and the, the storytelling logic. Oh, like, there is no science in this film, Josh. It's just, what, what is the Predator doing? Like, he comes down like, oh, I'm going to clear up the alien mess. I'm just going to, um, you know, sort it out and uh, clear it. And then I'm going to skin a human as if I'm the Predator from the first one for no reason. Yeah. Just dispatch the humans because they've seen you. Don't don't consider them trophies. And it, there's uh, a collateral damage. He's supposed to be, just so you know, guys, he is the wolf predator. He is Mr. Wolf from Pulp Fiction. He is there to sort out the mess. But I hardly think Mr. Wolf would just basically go in and kill everyone involved. First, you know, as if there, if there were no possibility of getting around it. I know, hang on. Uh, if there was maybe a possibility of getting around that from just total butchery. And if he is clearing up the situation, why isn't he doing it like every other Predator does in every other Predator movie? The bomb on the bracelet, like every other Predator does? I mean, the humans nuke the area afterwards anyway, and I'm assuming Predator tech is more powerful than a nuclear bomb. So it would just, like, it would do the same job as that nuclear bomb, and it seemed effective. So why get this blue goo out and just methodically destroy the evidence, like, really slowly? Uh, you clearly don't care about the humans' lives, so why why do you care about, like, methodically removing the evidence? It's Actually, just... that's a good point. He, he sets off the gauntlet on the ship, right? But it doesn't actually raise the entire town. It just sort of takes out the... Fo- Does it take out the forest? It implodes the ship, doesn't it? it implodes the ship. But it's only a small one, isn't it? Yeah. He d- I mean, he surely, he... Why didn't... Why doesn't... If he is just there to sort out the situation, just bring a nuclear device with him and blow up the entire town and then leave. 
No aliens, no predator, no humans, just that's it. If that's really what he's there to do. Bring a nuke with him. Isn't that what that wrist thing does in, oh, every other Predator movie? Yeah. But no, he goes in there like a detective, and a really shit detective at that. <laughs> As I tweeted, CSI, Predator Division. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Siffy Blue Goo. Because I wasn't calling it Sci-Fi Blue Goo. Okay. Ugh. Selective blue goo that only burns organic material as well, supposedly. Or just whatever he wants to burn. Because when the he pours... first selective goo from this series. Well, right. yeah. Um, <laughs> but like he pours it in the pool, and the pool's fine. Like it actually, stop... that bit made me go, "Wait a second. That bit he... made you go, "Wait a second. Just that oh, bit. Lots of bits. Lots made of bits. Go, Wait a this bit actually really does defy physics because, and it's actually quite simple. He pours that blue goo in the water, and then. All of the water evaporates, right? That would leave a poison gas cloud of chlorine throughout that center, so that when the cops go in afterwards, they would immediately go and die straight away. But it doesn't. Where did the chlorine go? Where did every other chemical in that pool go? The other bit DNA. Well, again. Why were the soldiers like a couple of feet away from a nuclear explosion? With radiation intense enough to kill on, you Josh. instantly. What? You're just going to have to say big from now on, Josh. Okay. <laughs> or an N explosion. <laughs> you say nuke. A, a nuke, yeah. There a nuke. Snook. Actually, can I ask a question? Mitch, you bought it on Blu-ray. I this did. film is, is so poorly lit, so you got really high-definition darkness. Yes, really high-definition <laughs> darkness, I did, yeah. And... I, I was my eyes were burning. It's like I had alien blood in my eye sockets, and uh, yeah, it was terrible. Everything about it is just terrible. It's even worse than Resurrection. It's one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen in my life. And I've watched I watched stuff like Resident Evil, which isn't very um, well. You well, straight out love the Resident Evil. Films. I do love the Resident because they're fun. I enjoy them because they're fun. They're not the best pieces of cinema ever, and I fully admit that. Yeah, exa- exactly. But I, I, I watch them, day of release, cinema and Blu-ray and whatever, because they're fun. But this, nothing about it is fun. Nothing about it is good. Well, actually, the, the best thing about it was the fact that there was uh, loads and loads of views, And that's about it. I actually didn't feel the least bit of shock at any point. No, they were just so throwing, they were, they were just throwing that, they were just throwing the sound effects in when the aliens were right. turning up and getting blown away. Uh but yeah, it still doesn't save the film from being god awful. Matt, you were raging about it before we started. Anything? <laughs> this was the first time you saw it, Matt. So. Yeah, I watched it specifically for this podcast because I'm a goddamn martyr to the cause and I really wish I hadn't bothered. <laughs> <laughs> I just give up. I, I watched it all the way through to the end-ish. I had to check on Wikipedia what happened at the end because I'd fucking forgotten. I just wasn't paying any attention. It's rubbish. Just utter bollocks. It's complete <laughs> bollocks from start to finish. <laughs> There's just nothing to... Josh is right. There's nothing to recommend this film. I actually hate it less than AVP. I'm not entirely sure why. I think it's because this isn't even trying to be anything other than explosions and shit. 
and AVP is and falls massively short, but it's God Almighty, it's a bad film. See, I can't see that. I can't. It see doesn't make any sense. No logic to that. To I just for whatever reason having hate it standards less. and having a dream and being shit at what you do is is more of a of a crime and makes the film worse than not giving a shit and just putting the film out anyway. Logically, I agree with you, but for some reason, maybe it's because I wasn't paying as much attention to AGPR. We uh, watched it back-to-back. Um, Leah, the trooper, watched both again for the second time, so I didn't have to watch them alone. So uh, yeah, I was, thank I was you for that. drinking through a lot of it. You're welcome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think possibly I just stopped watching the second one early enough that it didn't really bother me. I don't know, but... Oh, God, it's awful. Lean to your left. Okay. Lean to your right. Right. Lean to your left. Uh-oh. Uh-uh, that's your right. Oh, damn it. Okay. Lean to your right. What about you? Hey, you got it right. Oh, yeah, good. Okay, Meepwa, that's good. I'll never get tired of hearing that. Now, what's this over here? That's a toe. No, I mean, is it left or is it right? Well, it's a toe. And it's right over there. Think back to your song. The song, remember? What song? What the hell? Oh, watch this. Donna's about to tell Carlos she got breast cancer. Oh, wait, 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 watch this. He needs this for the channel. This is boring. Don't watch this. What? Why does it keep changing channels? It don't matter. I watch anything that's on there. Oh, wait. Look at this here. This dude's going to squeeze that boy till blood comes out of his eyes. Oh, damn. You see that? That's a mature situation. Well, you ain't watching this. Wait, wait, wait. What are you doing? Go back. Yeah. And turn it up, too. All the way. Let's talk about this one right now. The, the, the massive difference between the Predalien and the regular aliens. Okay, right. The Predalien has dreadlocks. Okay, so now the next part of this is going to be a discussion about... No, actually, the Predalien, aside from having dreadlocks, has a number of other things. It has mandibles as well as an alien jaw. Um, it is slightly bigger. Um, it has a slightly different roar, and it has a hatred for pregnant women and the ability to create multiple aliens in their wombs via oral administration of enormous eggs. Now, okay, let me show you something, Brother Strauss. Women are not tubes. 
You can't put one thing in one end, and if you keep going down that esophagus long enough, you'll come out the other. It's it's not like that. Um, the womb isn't connected to the mouth in in any way. There there is no way you could get an egg down there. Oh my god! I've just realised what it is. The people who made this film are too young to have had the proper birds and the bees talk, so they think babies grow in their mother's stomachs. When mummy and daddy kiss and he put the baby in her. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It all makes so much more sense now. For the uninitiated who have not seen this film and well done, the pred alien is sort of part facehugger, because it can attach its face to yours, and then you go, oh! And then your neck goes oonk, 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 as it basically shits eggs into your mouth, and they go down your esophagus and into your insidey parts. And then it specifically only does this to multiple pregnant women. Pregnant women. And the aliens burst out of their wombs, out of their bulging pregnant stomachs, and it's three at once. Four, actually. I think I counted yeah, them slithering along the floor. So, so, so basically it's like, you know, this is what we call like a, a multiple egg deal for each one. Possibly because they're like super fertile or something, but more likely just because that was the nastiest, sickest, shittiest thing that that penis who wrote this film could think up. Well, I think the implication is supposed to be that the, um, the, the implanted embryos feed on the fetus. Well, okay, <clears throat> so so yeah, they, they burst out of their stomachs, and actually you specifically pointed out that when the alien sort of pushes its face up against the curtain and the pregnant woman goes, oh no, it's basically a rape scene. It, you know, it bears down on her and then shoves its cock in her face and, and you know, rapes her and then and she bursts out. And you also said that it was, and this is way more psychological than I think they were even thinking, It's uh, it preys on man's fear that... Uh, your woman sleeps with another man, his sperm will oust your offspring. Yeah. That makes so much more sense than anything in this movie does. I, I, <laughs> oh, I, 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 good I observation. Say I think I'm overthinking it. Oh, you are way yeah. I, I don't <laughs> think they were going that far. Can I say again? Most likely just the nastiest, shittiest thing <laughs> that... Uh, what was his that, name? Is, that is, however, a very lucid and thoughtful point. Yeah, Shane Salermo, a writer of Shaft and Armageddon, who considers women to be Shafts. I was going to say, I think generally the, the, the real psychological lead behind it was just whoever planned this has no regard for the female of the species whatsoever. <clears throat> the alien bursting out of your chest is terrifying enough. It didn't need dialing up to 12. As we pointed out in the original Alien, it is irrespective of gender. It is irrespective of, of what your place is in the species. It's something that could happen. Effect- effectively, doing it to the kid is more of an, okay, this is terrifying, and it can even affect kids. That was kind of like, you know, it was over the line, but you get to be like, oh, dude, they killed the kid. But this is... I, the, this actually tries to introduce a new science to it, uh, and, uh, and a fucked up science with it. It's just like, what, what are you doing? Well, if it actually, if the original chest bursting um, action was supposed to represent uh, a, a male or masculine fear of pregnancy and childbirth, then by 
transferring that back onto pregnant bitches where it belongs. Get it away from us. We don't want to have to think about it happening to us. <laughs> that might actually be sort of part of that as well. Oh, dude. You know what? I think in some twisted way that might actually be right. Oh, my God. Okay, so enough of that. Um, Neil, do you want to go? You're expecting me to do a Transformer-style rant, aren't you? I am. I've got my, my sound effects button at the ready. <laughs> I'm going to disappoint you. Oh, man. Okay. This Transformers made me angry in that over-the-top kind of way. This doesn't make me angry. I, I tweeted that, you know... This scene is hateful and mean-spirited. It's mm. disturbing, upsetting. But not in, a, not in a cleverly crafted way, right? There's just no talent. There's no skill. I actually find this depressing that people... I know people were cheering at that scene. And I, I just... What? Yeah. Okay. I just find it actually depressing. I, ha- I can't rage against it. It's that disgusting unhorrible to me I, I can't there's no bile it's just like I, I'm sh- one I'm shocked they made it into the movie two what the fuck was the, the board of Fox thinking you know surely they saw dailies and saw this come in what the hell this is the worst kind of filmmaking I can appreciate that you know we do need to push boundaries sometimes some movies do that uh, and the best movies are the ones that do it well. And you you can have very violent movies. I mean, there is a whole subgenre that is based on revenge, uh, rape revenge. Not a kind of movie that I want to watch. You know, it's. And I've mentioned that. Sorry, yes. Neil. Can I just interject there? Um, yeah. On your point is the thing is I agree with you. I think films do need to explore dark subject, but they need to explore them with purpose. And with a level of taste, this film just does it because it's metal, because it's badass. Please don't say that. Being a metal fan, that that, that hurts you saying that. But you know what I mean, like the the heavy metal art imagery kind of thing. Even that has more subtlety and decency than this film. You know, this is how, how this movie hurts. I don't actually have the words. I just don't. It's beyond me that someone wrote that in a script, someone read it and went, yeah, that's the scene for us, we're going to have the pretty alien go into the, you know, the ward and just slaughter all these pregnant women. And I half wonder... Make sure he rapes them first. And I half wonder, because before that, we get a scene of the newly born babies and the fucking alien there. And It's showering down or about to. Yeah. What the fuck just doesn't even do it just as that how bad this is i can rant about transformers i just this hurts my soul in a way that it shouldn't what the actual fuck yeah (laughs) the scene with the with the looking through the window at the babies actually really confused me because it's never been established at any point i think we touched on this briefly when we were talking about um uh possibly resurrection the aliens do not appear to eat at least not human flesh. When they kill and take humans, it's not as a food source, at least not for themselves. Now, if the... Was it... Is it the... It is the Pred-Alien that's looking at the nursery, isn't it? Not the Predator. Yep. Yeah. Yep, Pred-Alien. 
what purpose would that possibly serve? None, it's done for sure. When, when wild animals go after the young of a herd, it's because they're easy to catch because they're going to eat them. That doesn't apply here. Nope. The only, uh, even referring it to animals, uh, I think it's lions. When a new, a new male takes over, he may kill the cubs. Doesn't mm, apply to this situation. To, yeah, the, but the purpose of that, again, there is a purpose behind it. It's to ensure that any offspring that the lionesses have are his and therefore are less likely to challenge him as they get older. They're more likely to leave um, rather than try and take over from him. Yeah. I think the predator uh, alien is the reincarnation of Hitler. Um, <laughs> it's just that makes yeah, more narrative sense than the rest of the film. Yes. <laughs> no, no, because then I you're spoiling. Come the... out with that. That would have been so awesome. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's spoiling my the only good Adam Sandler movie. Yes, I just said that. Little Nicky, because uh, Hitler's in hell having a pineapple shoved up his ass by Harvey Keitel. <laughs> Who, interestingly, is Mr. Wolf. Oh, God. Interestingly. There we go. It's actually him. Because basically, yeah, that is, it ends up Harvey Keitel versus Hitler on the roof. What a weird image. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Someone uh, um, needs to make a cartoon of that. Before we move on, I'm just going to have uh, Mark Kermode's views on this fine piece of work. <laughs> Alien versus Predator, Requiem. No, Aliens versus Predator, Requiem. That doesn't sound like a, a, a fair matchup. No. <laughs> really? Years Lots of aliens against one Predator. You know, but there's more than one. It, it, it's, here's how Why it works. It no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wait, okay, wait. Here's the plot. Yes. Here's the plot. Okay. You know, years ago we had Alien, right? And it was slow and it was, it was thoughtful. We had characters that you cared about. They're all kind of middle-aged and they're up in space and stuff happens. And by the time the really bad stuff happens, you really care about them, you know, the characters. So when the thing bursts out of John Hurt's chest, wow, I really care because it's John Hurt. And it's designed by H.R. Giger and it's directed by Ridley Scott, who's a fine artist. And it's written by, you know, writers that actually understand their craft and it takes its time. Now we fast forward, whatever it is, 25 years. And we have the Alien franchise. We go with Alien Aliens which is good, Alien 3 pants, although messed up by the studio, and then uh, Alien Resurrection, which is not as bad as everybody thought. Meanwhile, Predator, which was always rubbish, Predator 2, which was super rubbish, then Alien versus Predator in the kind of King Kong versus Godzilla way. Now, Aliens versus Predator begins with a shot of the Predator with its chest burst open, out of which has come an alien, which has taken on some of the qualities of the Predator, therefore making it into a Predalien. Da -da. Da -da. So the predalien. A predalien. Yeah, a predalien. And the predalien. Aliens versus predator and predalien. And predalien. And the predalien is basically an alien with dreadlocks. Isn't that a prog band that toured with Focus? I think it was, yes. And I think the basis from the Yardbirds was in them. So, here's the main differences, right? Firstly, where the other one had middle-aged characters we care about, this is just a bunch of young people, some of them running around in their pants, don't care about any of them. Secondly, it's all shot in that way, which the BBFC said that it's a violent film, but they gave it a 15 because it's all so fast-paced that you can't really see what's going on, and that's absolutely true. You can't see what's going on, and when you can see what's going on, you don't care what's going on anyway. You don't care about any of these people, where they live or die. Actually, you're more interested in, in how the Predalien got its hair cut, how that mutation worked. Thirdly, at the end of the movie, they attempt to tie up the time scale of this movie with the time scale of Alien, which just leaves you sitting there going, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, and that character isn't called that, and what's he doing there? Fourthly, there is this just n nuts thing when the, the original film, 
throws back to things like Mario Barber's Planet of the Vampires and It the Terror from Beyond Space and it draws on the, you know, the drawings and the paintings of Giga and it's, you know, it's, it has a, a, a Hodorowsky legacy. This is essentially based on a video game. It's a Hodorowsky legacy? Yeah, you know, Alejandro Hodorowsky. Can you, can you define that briefly? Yes, it's, if you imagine, well, Hodorowsky was at, was at one point going to do Dune. Right. The science fiction movie Dune. And that was, I think, how Giga first got involved in the process. Right, so the Hodorowsky legacy would be... Would be that it's, it's to do with advanced, grown-up science fiction for people who have brains. Fine. As opposed to thicko video game science fiction for people, for people who, incidentally, the first movie is so much about male fear of pregnancy, and it's got this incredibly complicated sort of ecosystem about how the alien works out. This movie is made by people who seem to think that the throat is directly connected to the womb. Now, I'm sorry, did you not do Anatomy 101? Do you so, think that might be missed by most people? Do you think everyone... I think the target audience of it wouldn't know. I think they... Is that not true? I'm really surprised. It's rubbish. It's rubbish. And it's just noisy, badly shot rubbish. Leah, we haven't heard from you much on this. Because I'm busy drinking and crying in a corner. Um, so, here's... Yeah, seriously. Um... Yeah, fuck that, get your own. Um, yeah, so, I, I did not realize this until Matt and I were maybe ten minutes into the movie. I've seen it before. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I had. Um, so, I don't know whether I would have been more or less likely to watch it again if I'd, if I hadn't already seen it. But, like, I would start to remember things. It was kind of like PTSD. Like, I... I, I must have blocked this out somehow because it was that bad. Because I had, up until that point, no clue. I had no idea that I had seen this before. I thought that I was going into this fresh, that I didn't know what I was going, that I was, what I was in for here. And, and it was, you know, it, it was just going to be a bad movie. And then I started remembering that I had seen it before. And it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. Why was I watching this again? It's because of journalistic integrity, that's why. You took one for the team. I did take one for the team. <laughs> you, I hope you motherfuckers appreciate this. I, I've watched I, it twice now. Shared pain is, is halved. Pain. We need to make a pact to uh, eternal spotless mind this film. Yes, I, I think that's a <laughs> great idea. Let it be stricken from everyone's memories. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, somebody has to remember for us that we've all seen it so that we don't accidentally watch it again. Yeah, Alex, I'm sorry, man, but it's I your podcast, it. so... Uh, <laughs> Oh, my God. I am cursed to forever have this DVD. Yep. Right. Um, actually, it's interesting what you said earlier, Matt, about actually preferring this to uh, the original AVP. No, I've no, mentioned... no, 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 no. I hated this less. It's a very specific... Okay. Word. You said... I think you said you love AVPR, you hate AVP. Is that right? <laughs> Is that a direct quote? <laughs> You said loathe you loathe AVPR, yes. You, lo you loathe AVPR, <laughs> but you hate AVP. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, I, 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 uh, have I have, only because it relates to uh, what something I've mentioned Paul Shotton said on the show. He actually prefers AVPR because it caught him on a day when he was just in the right mood for it. Uh, he found it stupid and horrible enough to be funny. What, masochistic? I don't know what mood he was in at the time, but he, he found AVP utterly stupid and boring, and at least this made him go, <laughs> occasionally, which I think to him <laughs> means he rates it more. He doesn't want to see either of them again. He doesn't even really want to dispute which is better and which is worse. It's, it's roughly akin to saying which is a better or worse wasting disease to him. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> 
But but it's important to note that to a, a few people, a lot of whom might be listening right now, there is ever so slightly more merit in this a- AVPR than there is in AVP. Um, but just so you know, Matt, you're not entirely alone on that one. In your love of AVP. <laughs> <laughs> people will start to believe this. Yeah. Um, yeah Paul was worried about that too. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to clear both... Uh, I, I wanted to make sure I cleared Paul's name. Paul doesn't think AVPR is good in any way. But he also doesn't think AVP is good in any way. And he only ever said AVPR made him laugh in reaction to me going, I kind of preferred AVP. And it was a pointless discussion to have the multiple times we've had it. But here we go. We can finally put this bad boy to rest. Anything else on the film? Oh, the Miss Yutani bit at the end kind of made me go, oh, that's clever. Yeah, that was probably the high point of the film. Yeah. Because you knew it was about to finish. <laughs> yeah, the end yeah. of the film, yeah. It's over! Oh, thank fuck ah. for that. That's a bit where, like, the Ripley character get, get, you know, is, is asked, are the monsters gone, mummy? And she goes, yes, and looks up at the sky in a kind of, are they gone kind of way. Like, what? She, what's she doing? But unfortunately, dear, we're going to have tumours from the high levels of radiation we've just been exposed to and die painfully. The There's end. No they but not as painfully as if you had to continue watching the movie. Uh, I mean, I, this the is side. a strong contender for one of the worst films I've ever seen, actually. I mean, I've got a list. It's probably about 50 long, and this one's way up the top. Is Rain of Fire on that know? list? Because that's mine. I prefer Rain of Fire this. Although Batman and Robin is actually oh god, that, that's pretty awful. Oh. I'd rather watch Batman and Robin. I would too. Eternally, but, but damn. Oh, I don't know about eternally. Don't make me choose. It's like one of the seven punishments. <laughs> what method of having your fingernails pulled out would you prefer? <laughs> so towards the end of the film, they say the line, "Get to the chopper." It is it's the best line in the movie. Is yeah. "Get to the chopper." <laughs> and, I th- and I don't think they realised why it's funny. Because I don't think it's put in there because, oh, that's a reference to Predator. No, it's not. It's just there. And you just hear it go, oh, God. You get to the chopper. No, it just goes, get... No, it just, the guy just... I think it's Dallas. Wow, I remembered a name. Dude's name is Dallas? I think. It yeah. is. Which one? Oh, I refer to him as Man A. It's... I, the... <laughs> I refer to him as... brother. Oh, shit. Who's Ricky. <laughs> Ricky was well, a stupid pizza delivery kid. It's okay, Matt okay, okay, yes. Yeah. I, I remember Dallas because it's Dallas, but I, I didn't remember anybody else's name, to be honest with you. I refer to them as Ricky, Chicky, Pricky, and Sticky. That's Chick's real name is Jesse, I know that much. Jesse was Chicky. Oh. And yeah. Sticky was the one who kept putting his hand in sticky substances. That was all of them, wasn't it? <laughs> and then there was... There, there was uh, Hacky Sack who got his face burned off. I don't know. I was, I was watching the, the bit where they, they, I think it was like the ninth time somebody had put their hand in Alien. I was like, for God's sake, a pen! Use a pen! You don't know that's not going to burn your hand off. Um, I put, in my notes, I put some things happen in the dark. Tramps are involved. I don't know what happened at that point. But yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much a good example, a good description of the first third of the movie. Let's just be done with the movie. Say, is that a really poor Saturday night out?
just okay. The the box office. Uh, there's an interesting discrepancy between the uh, seven Alien films. You got Alien, which made 104 million. That only cost 11 million dollars. That's 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 done pretty well. Aliens cost 18.5 million, made 131. So it made more than Alien. Uh, because it's it's just generally it would appeal to a broader audience. Uh, Alien Three cost fifty million, so what nearly five times what the first one did, and uh, only made one hundred and fifty nine million. So that's when they should basically have gone right. This franchise is now finished, and they should then have stopped making Alien films, and then that way now we could maybe get an Alien prequel or maybe make Prometheus now and start it again that we could probably have done without Resurrection AVP and AVPR we just didn't need them uh, Resurrection 70 million made 161 still actually it cost 20 million more than Alien 3 and only made 2 million more so it, it's like at that point they got the message and stopped doing straight out Alien films so then when they thrashed out AVP they knocked it out for 10 million less, 60 million, and it made 172 million because of the child-friendly audience figures. AVPR cost 40 million dollars, made 128 million, which is less than, uh, uh, you know, inflation adjusted is less than any of the predecessors. Um, and here is the thing that is really depressing: um, District Nine cost 30 million dollars. That's 10 million dollars less than this film. That is that is just mind-boggling. I can't get my head and around District that. District 9 is a oh. bloody good film. It is indeed. Check out the GeekWad episode of uh, the District 9 review. Shameless yes, look. Because that's District... the thing. You, you get talented people to actually get involved in your project. You mm. don't have to fling money at it. You just let them do their thing and they produce good content. If you're getting competent turds to make a film... They make a very unimpressing, uh, unimpressive third of a film. Yeah. And yet they still got to make Skyline after that, because technically AVPR made a profit. I think Skyline was actually one that they funded themselves. Really? I think. I, I, hope, they lost, I hope they lost a phenomenal amount of money and they will never direct again. Here's what I know about Skyline. The dude from Scrubs is in it. Which one? The, uh, uh, Donald, Donald. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The guy from Dexter is in it as well. Um, Which the, one? <laughs> the, the guy who wears the fedora. The fedora um, oh, the, oh, Batista. Oh, Angel? Yeah. Yeah, Batista. Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't know that. Uh, See, I like those people. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I, I haven't seen Skyline, admittedly. Do they need I a Alex, Skyline cost 10 to 20 million and made 73. Oh, I fuck. Think, they're I going think to keep direct again. <laughs> Do you want to know something really. Interesting. Well, not yep. interesting, but... Uh, <laughs> you realise Alien vs. Predator from Rex <laughs> actually won something. Oh, Raspberries. No! Oh, no, oh, seriously? It was nominated for Worst Prequel or Sequel, and, and it, it, Worst Excuse for a Horror Movie, and it didn't win. I want to know... It didn't movie. win either of them, yeah. No. I want to know what year it won that. But this says it all. This tells you where this film was squarely aimed. It won an award at the MTV Movie Awards for... Scariest film? Best... Fight. Which fight? What? The alien versus the predator. That's all it says. Right. Okay. What? Let's let's take a quick look, shall we, at the films of 2010 and see what else it was up against. Do you know the only other movie I know that's won that best fight award? And Alex will like this. 
is um, the Lord of the Rings, the first one, the fight between the two wizards. That's fair enough. I mean, I, I, actually, good filmmaking went into that fight, which is the difference. And you know what? I would rather watch Brain Dead, Meet the Feebles, or Bad Taste than this movie. There Will Be Blood came out at the same time as Aliens vs. Predator Requiem, and there is a better fight in that. It involves a bowling pin. I haven't seen that yet. I keep meaning to watch that. It's, it's good. I drink your milkshake. The Golden Compass came out around that time, and that had a polar bear fight, and that was awesome. That fight, that was. I'm trying to think that there must have been a really awesome film in 2010 that I'm forgetting about, because... Jesus Christ, Beowulf came out a month beforehand. Oh. They're not going to count Beowulf versus Grendel as a, a better fight than this shitty, in-the-dark pair of twats. The okay, okay, here's the thing. had a fight between a monkey and a polecat that was better than the film. <laughs> right, Inception came out in 2010. Oh, no, this is actually 2007. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I said 2010, but I actually meant 2007. All right. 30 Days of Night came out in October of 2007. That had a fantastic uh, little, very short fight at the uh, end between two vampires. 300 came out that year. Bloody hell. Uh, that was with Michael Fassbender as Stelios. Yeah. Yeah. See, Michael Fassbender makes everything better. He really does, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everything goes better with Michael Oh Fassbender. my fucking God. Guess what else came out in August of that year? The Bourne Ultimatum. Oh, you are shitting me. And none of the fights in that were better than the one in AVP. You know what? Fuck MTV. Fuck MTV, you morons. I have been saying that since the early the- 90s. Okay, one last thing before we go. Because this appears to have put the uh, series to bed. Prometheus cost 130 million, made 217 million, which at least means that there might be another Prometheus film before they um, make another Alien film. But I, if it's going to be like this, or the last one, or the second to last one, or the third to last one, <laughs> or anything after Aliens, I don't want them to make another Alien film. They can't do it right. <laughs> No one can do it right. I want to see it put in the hands of a really talented director who actually has some vision. I will say at least one thing about Alien War. Does anyone remember this? I remember hearing about it. I never went. I I was at the Trocadero while it was there, but um, I was too scared. Oh, little Neil. I was actually too scared. You you were right to feel too scared. To be fair, he was probably about ten at the time. Hang on, um, Midge, how old were you in uh, 1993? Uh, what month? Because I, I, I'm born in December, so technically it was two, <laughs> two if it's before December 1993. <laughs> Ouch. What? Ouch. I was 11, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was 13. Made of sterner stuff than Neil, it would appear. No, actually, in, in all seriousness, I very nearly wet myself. Um... What Alien War was, was conceived by a couple of fellows up in Glasgow, and they put it up in, in Glasgow, and uh, they also brought it down to London to the, and installed it in the Trocadero, and they also had a travelling version of it that would turn up at various trade shows. What it was, was um, you would be taken around a facility that had been done up like, um, kind of like the, the colony on uh, LV426, was it? Yeah. Hadley's Hope. Um, and it was uh, ostensibly a place where this guy 
guiding you around would be dressed as a space marine and would be talking all you know acting the part and being all like super bustling and um they'd take you around sort of you know it would be fairly dark and you'd be like they'd be we're studying aliens here and then suddenly cocoon they cut the power you're like uh-oh and your entire party of tourists who are sort of with you would all start tittering nervously and your marine would be like okay you guys just stay there and they'd run off there'd be a lot of banging doors and then he'd be like okay right you know we got aliens loose here. And then what then followed was you'd be led out of this facility and around, you know, basically just like through a maze of, of like a factory-style setting with lots of kind of like uh, dry-eye CO2 and strobe lights and klaxons and slamming doors. And the best thing they'd figured out was to they, they put remote control systems inside the gun so that when you pulled the trigger, it made a pulse rifle sound, which would basically sound throughout the actual uh, corridor through the speakers. So it would sound like it was like all around you. And they had little strobe lights on the front of the gun. Now, obviously, if I was watching it now, I'd be like, wow, I can see how they did that. But as, if you're a kid, you don't know quite how they're doing it. And so this guy was going absolutely batshit crazy and really acting his ass off. And it's like, the aliens are going to us. And there would be guys in alien suits who would occasionally leap out of the shadows and you'd have to all scurry down the corridor after this guy. And it was fucking terrifying and one of the most exciting things in my entire life. And at the very, very end, he herds you into a lift and he's like pressing the door and the lift door won't, won't close properly. And he's like, oh, what's, what's going on? And then a guy in an alien suit ru- leaps through the lift doors, grabs one of your partners, yanks him away screaming the entire body goes ah! and then you get busted out into the uh, the front of the Trocadero again you're like oh my god now each time when they yanked one of your party away I learned later it was a carefully placed actor but you don't know that when you're going around and you're a kid this was the best thing ever and of course it could only really run for a few years and, and it could, probably didn't even turn a profit all that much and was uh, fraught with uh, problems and the, uh, the pulse rifle things didn't work for the first few months and they had to use blank firing pistols. And um, then it uh, flooded in 1996, closed down permanently and then was never reopened in the Trocadero. I think it came back in 2007 and then it came back again without the alien license in 2008. I think possibly because Fox stepped in and said, could you stop doing this, please? Because... Uh, um, various reasons or something like that we want to stop the best thing that's ever been to do with aliens um let me tell you how much my parents would have not let me do that when i was 12 and uh, here we are inside the base all seems very quiet in here at the moment some might say too quiet this isn't a game but a real life experience you come here simply to be scared witless Charging through smoke-filled tunnels with gun-crazed marines for protection, it feels exactly as if the monster is closing in. Move it! 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 Move so, yeah. <laughs> so um, how does the thing actually work? What happens here? Well, people say that they say, is it a game? Is it, is it you know, virtual reality? What I say to them, this is total reality. Instead of the public sitting on their backside watching a movie, we've taken them right out the armchair, and they are going to physically be running down these smoke-filled corridors, getting in escape vehicles with the threat of alien coming from above, below. It is 
total reality, Gordon. Right, it does feel like that. I mean, just being chased down, but guarded by these magnificent marines, obviously, which has been very helpful. Um, what sort of people came to the exhibition in Glasgow and you would expect to come to this one? We had all ages. Uh, I mean, it's not just for the children, it's not just for the alien fans, because basically I think everybody deep down likes to be excited, likes to be thrilled, frightened, and, and that's why they come here to Alien World. Yeah, I remember we once had the police service coming, and they, I've never seen yeah. anybody come running out as fast as they did. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's Excellent. So that's who's protecting it. So that's why you had to move out of Glasgow. I see. <laughs> God, Lieutenant, check that. Can you check that hatch? Everybody quiet. Shh. Something above us. Shh. You have actually reminded me of something. So I, there used to be a theme park near me called the American Adventure. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's as cheesy and as terrible as it sounds. I know, because I worked there. <laughs> Many, many years ago. Oh, I used to work at Lightwater Valley. Oh, no, we went to Flamingo Land. Carry on, Nelson. That's Nelsa. not a real thing. Are you serious? That's a real thing? Flamingo yeah. Land? Yeah, it's a zoo and a theme park all in one. Wow. It was a fun fair that had started to decay. Carry <laughs> on. So, I'm going to say two words, and I should imagine some of you are going to recognise this. Motion Master. Uh, no. No, no one remembers Motion Master. All right, they had Motion Master at the American Convention. Basically, what it is, think of it looks like a normal, looks like a normal cinema, right? Except if you're strapped into the chairs, into the seats. Oh God, yeah, I remember that now. Uh huh. Thank you, Matt. Yeah. Because basically, the, the chairs move, they rock, and violently. <laughs> and it was a very big thing because basically there was a shitty Indiana Jones ripoff, which it had for most of the time, ah. except for one season. <laughs> where they went balls out for this, because um, the, bu the building that it was in was called Aztec. Uh -huh. <laughs> Don't ask why, but on Aztec it had Indian faces like me out the wall. Don't ask. Do you know what they put on one of these, on one of these faces one year? To... A xenomorph? They put a face hugger on. Ooh. Because they had Aliens the Motion Master ride. Now, basically, what Aliens the Motion Master ride was, it was, you were basically, it's from the dropship... Mm. all the way down in seats that, that I will say again throw you about violently mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you're dropped off in the APC was and it like model work or yes did they use it, bits of the film yeah it was bits of the film and model work that was spot on to the film did Hudson say express elevator to hell going down oh yes and Hudson awesome. said he had more because basically it, you, there was part where the characters got out but you didn't really see that you, you, I think you're like were meant to you're like meant to be the driver you stay in the APC so it does the dropship thing so mm -hmm. yeah by stomach uh, drops you off you do the APC and you're going through these really tight corridors of the power station to the point where you almost fall down a hole and it stops so the chair just throws you forward so you're like hanging there backs up goes around the hole goes a bit further and then you sort of hear the scene from the movie where they go off and fight and get well basically clusterfucked <laughs> and they come back multi-bucket <laughs> multi-bucket yes uh, and then the APC takes off screaming and but instead unlike the movie it falls down the hole that you saw earlier oh nice so great moment because obviously motion master right do you know what's waiting for you at the bottom of that hole the queen yes oh my god so you get basically get a chase scene of being chased through the power station on the in the APC. It was brilliant. But the best bit is during the, the, the where you're bugging out 
before you fall down the hole, you hear Hudson go, guys, what about the hole? And you fall down it. It, is. Nice. it was brilliant. That, 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 that one wasn't as scary because, like I said, the, the alien war things terrified me. So, yeah. yeah. I'm kind of glad right. I didn't do it. <laughs> Rightly so. It, it was, um, if anyone's ever been on the London Dungeon then uh, it's kind of like that, but really, the York really bloody scary. Or indeed the York Dungeon. Uh, it's kind of like that, only you don't learn anything, and it's really, really scary. <laughs> but, I mean, I actually dragged a friend to, uh, to, to go on, uh, on it again. Uh, it would have been about 1996, and this was years after I'd already gone on it. I was like, oh, man, you're going to love this. Went all the way to London, all the way to the Trocadero, hadn't called ahead or booked tickets at all, and it had only just apparently flooded and been closed at that point. And it was like... No, it's closed. It might reopen, and it never did. <laughs> but, I mean, we had no internet at that point. I couldn't call ahead. I had no way of knowing what the... There the were no phones. There were no phones. I was, what, I was 15 at the time. And you couldn't work a phone book? Dude. Dude. <laughs> they don't have alien war in the phone book. <laughs> How that. awesome would it be if they did? <laughs> <laughs> it, it would genuinely be awesome. But, you know, I was a dumb kid, and I think that's uh, been come across quite often. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, that, it's, that's it. That concludes the Alien films. I mean, games, if you want to check them out, I will at least recommend Alien 3 on the SNES and Mega Drive. We're going to be using... The music you've been hearing throughout tonight's episode is the Mega Drive version of Alien 3. It's got some awesome 16-bit chip tunes on it, and uh, one of my favourite soundtracks from that era. Neither of them really had any bearing on the movie, but, frankly, they were kind of pinned on that anyway. The AVP arcade game, where you're beating up lots of aliens with predators. That's good fun. Uh, 360 version of Alien versus Predator. Anyone else got any other good alien games? Or indeed Predator games? There isn't. Um, Aliens infestation on the DS. Yes, I will mention that at least. It's good fun. It's a Metroidvania-style um, uh, aliens experience. And uh, it does indeed have pew moments with cats. But, uh, yeah, it's actually really tense for a DS yeah. game. It, uh, and yeah. And and quite hard and nerve-wracking. Yeah, another Aliens game that's coming out soon, Colonial Marines, that I'm really, really looking forward to. Yeah, so that, that rounds off the Alien series. Where will it go from now? I mean, I mean ultimately, you're going to have to kind of look to Prometheus to see what's more likely for um, sequels. Uh, it's, it's important to note, if you haven't seen it already, Prometheus is not an Alien film, not really. Not to go in expecting any continuation of that particular story. It's more sort of taking off in different strands. But yeah, that, this would appear to be the, the swan song for the Xenomorph right now. And this is how the franchise ends. Not with a bang. But with a whimper. But with a fart. <laughs> with something that actually hurts your soul. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so I, I want to thank my, uh, my humble, esteemed guests, Neil Taylor of Game Burst. Would you like to plug your show? I'm only going to plug one show this time round. If you haven't done so yet, would you please give a listen to Desert Island Gonzo? Each show show I take a guest, I'm going to send them to an island. They usually abuse the uh, eight items rule, but that's fine because it's kind of fun. Give it a listen then because it's a chance to hear people talk about things that they really love. We've had uh, Josh on. Josh was on the first episode, a fantastic episode. And you've got quite a few people to watch The Wire because of that show. So well done, Josh. And... uh, Coming up, Sharon is our guest, and you don't want to miss that episode. Matt, do you want to plug Dork Tunes? Uh, yes, uh, Dork Tunes, hosted by uh, Gamer Dork. Uh, it's approximately monthly-ish uh, podcast about gaming music. I uh, usually have an uh, interview with a uh, composer, 
uh, or someone from the gaming world. Uh, yeah, so check that out if you if you like your video game soundtracks. Leah. Uh, well, I'm currently not doing a podcast. Um, well, not actively doing a podcast, but I do uh, write when I'm not being lazy for GamerDork, so uh, check that out at GamerDork.net. James Minchmeister Perkins. Uh, yes, I am a co-host on GameBurst over at GameBurst.co.uk, and I also host my own movie show, Geek Quad, which can be found at GonzoPlanet.com. And soon, myself and Alex are going to be reviewing Aliens vs. Predator for the 360 uh, in another joint review, like our uh, Wrecked Revenge Revisited review. Looking forward to it. Yep. Joshua Garrity? Yes, you can find me at com, where you can find interesting articles and reviews on games. And there's also a podcast where we take a game, a couple of games, and di- dissect it and really talk about it in detail. And you can also find uh, me on Gonzo Planet doing the animation archives, currently working on the second episode. Hopefully we'll get that out uh, as soon as possible. Are you allowed to give us a sneak peek of what that one's going to be about? It's going to be about my neighbour, Totoro. Awesome. Wonderful. Looking forward to that. Sharon, want to plug Gonzo Planet? Plug Desert Island Gonzo. Oh, Desert Island Gonzo. You already did. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> that's, the only thing, that's the only thing I'm on at the moment, is Desert <laughs> Island Gonzo. Um, yeah. I, I, Actually, you could plug this, because you've been on enough of them recently. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, there's no point plugging the show. That I was going to say, why would I plug something that they're already listening to? You might want to listen to more of this. <laughs> uh, if you've sat through all of this, then God bless all of you. Thank you very much. and they could guarantee that we would make a, a movie of great quality. And uh, uh, I was just afraid that the longer you do a series, the more it's compromised. And I didn't want that to happen with this.